0: Brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. My name's Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, joined by NBA futures analyst Brandon Anderson, and this is your NBA 2023 Draft Best Bets Part One episode. That's a very <laughs> long title, but that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do two episodes on the draft this week. Um, I'm here to provide you with information on what I've heard from league sources to give you information on what I've, what the scuttlebutt is, and a lot of this, like, we'll talk about the process of this. I will talk about all the caveats on this type of stuff and how tricky it is. This is going to be also a how-to-bet-the-draft type of episode. We're going to explain the complications of it and why betting the draft could be extremely lucrative but also really tricky. We'll get into all of that. There's two sides of this coin. If you're going to be talking about betting the NBA draft, well, first off, you need to be downloading the Action Network app. It's the best way for you to track your picks. You get all of our great draft content in there, all sorts of cool information you can actually – Uh, track number one through five best bets for who's going to go where, which I'll have a few for you in this episode. You can track all those in the action network app, get yourself set for football. Going to be coming here down the pipeline, Brandon, this is like his last full week of working with me. And then he's shifting (laughs) over to NFL, uh, uh, for a while until until we get back into preseason NBA. Um, we've got baseball going every single day. We've got all sorts of stuff. And the WNBA pods over on this podcast may be found in the Action Network apps to so make sure to check those out. All right, Brandon. So like there's two sides of the, of the draft coin, okay? <laughs> the one side is Intel. And that is, I, I talk to scouts and executives and a couple of people involved in representation and a couple of people that just like operate in various things that are close to the industry. They're close to teams and the process. I I talked to those folks. Um, The other side of it is actual draft analysis. And like, that's what I think is makes up the bulk of, of internet coverage is like, here's his strengths and weaknesses. And here's what I think he's good at. And here's how good I think he can be. And here's his handle. That's why Brandon's here. Brandon is here to, to to give me input on where guys should go quote unquote. (laughs) And I'm going to give you information on where teams feel like guys are going to go that doesn't mean that one is right and one is wrong because theoretically they should be in concert but they're not and we'll talk through kind of like the reasons and the logic on those um the other thing i want to say up front there's there's two key elements i want to get up front here one these lines that we're going to talk about are going to be a little bit stale for you i cannot help that these lines move extremely quickly because there's no power rating for these things to be tied to if a large chunk of money comes in on Carolina Panthers minus seven and a half, it will go to eight. It will go to eight and a half. It might go to nine. It's not going to go to 15 because there's a power rating that it's anchored to. There's no such thing as the draft. A lot of the time they put out these markets at small limits and are just like, okay, we'll, we'll put this out there for you to bet. And then as soon as the market reacts, they no market. In my opinion, Brandon reacts as quickly as draft markets.
1: Yeah, I agree. Even to the point that, I mean, I'll say this, we're going to have on our Wednesday episode, our best bets, part two, yada, yada, the full title. We're going to have Luke Swain Vegas refund on Twitter at Vegas refund. I've got my, my Twitter notifications on for when Luke tweets, because when this man puts out a tweet with the bet that he is making, you got to, you better have your app ready and get your bet in because in like three minutes, that thing is nuked and that line is moving already. And that's how these things go. We saw a market open up today uh, at FanDuel for top 20 picks. And we were talking about in our Slack of like, oh, here's a guy at plus 800, you better bet it now. And then like, by the time you got the upload, it's down to like plus 320, right. because partly it's that, that they're moving quickly. And also they don't necessarily know what numbers to open these at. And so they're taking that information as soon as a couple of bets come in and they're adjusting and, and getting those lines set to what the market is pricing them as too. So you've got to be ready to act fast. We are going to get these podcasts up, basically edited and up as fast as we can after them. And uh, we'll, we'll try to kind of give to uh, when we make a bet. Uh, I mean, more than ever, we, we try to do anyways, give you a, like a sense of how far would you bet this. But uh, for me, when we get to my best bets, are long shots, I, I am. I know that doesn't sound like a surprise. That's the thing <laughs> that I am known for on here. Yeah. I don't know. why I feel like I need to explain myself here, but I, I'm not going to be doing a lot of minus one fifties and minus two fifties bets. I, I think those are profitable. If you know what you're doing, a, a lot of what Vegas refund is going to give are those because he's grabbing it. And the number is already moving and it's about to move to like minus 500 and then just get taken off the board because it's a thing we know, or it's a player's under or over and we know it's under and it's getting beaten so hard that then like the number drops from 13 and a half to 11 and a half, 10 and a half, nine and a half, and keeps moving. So I'm more on the scouting side. I'm more on trusting what I've seen on the tape, and I don't have as much intel. I'm relying on, on your intel, Matt, and on Luke's intel. So I, I like the long shots. I like to try to chop around, get the long number. And for me, I'm actually doing the opposite of intel betting on a lot of mine. I'm betting on uncertainty because for all the intel that's out there, there's a lot of smoke screens. It is 100%. smoke screen season. Yep. And more and more, especially this week, more than ever, right now, is a lot of getting that information out. When, when that tweet comes out, we were just talking about a tweet right before we came on. Who put the tweet out? Why did they put it out? Do the, all the, the the windy fingers thing? Like, what is the reason that this information is being leaked out right now? And it doesn't necessarily mean the thing it means. It might mean the thing behind the thing it's saying. So you got to think through all that stuff. It's fun. You get to kind of decode. And like you said, solve the puzzle a little bit. But I think it's fun just trying to figure out these players and and figure who's the right spot and all that stuff too.
0: We've had some great hits over the years at action um, on various players that I've heard late in the process that are getting steam. We'll talk about some of those guys today, but like you talk about the smoke screen. A lot of times if there's, if a guy isn't being talked about, that's when I start to get nervous because my inclination is to be like, Ooh, no one's talking about it. Maybe he slides. And then you got guys like shade and sharp who yep. no one was talking about and there was all sorts of concern and guess what he still won seven um another one uh uzman jang is another one where like there was a lot of hype about him about like hey this guy might go top 10 nope he goes 11 like we missed it by the hook on uzman jang and so yep. like we've had some big wins like on keegan murray scotty barnes other hits and i've got i've got some of that stuff for you the other thing i would say is like look i am the process i will like i am not talking to Like, I'm not on the phone with Mitch Kupchak and being like, hey, Mitch, are you (laughs) going to take it number two? And he's not like, well, Matt, really? That's not how this works, okay? There are circles and information does get distributed, but it's also like it's reading tea leaves, a lot of this, and it's an inexact science. And if you want to choose to believe that that is total bullshit, I don't don't blame you, and you are welcome (laughs) to either fade that information or stay away from the market. I don't blame you, okay? But I will tell you that for me, this has been like, one, I have stopped doing the scouting side of it for a number of reasons. Um, to me, it's a very inexact science from the way that I look at the game. I don't have a great feel for college. And three, this is like the biggest divide between me and Brandon is I don't disagree a lot of the time with like, Brandon's going to tell you who's going to be good. Like Brandon will tell you who's going to be good in the NBA. And he's very good at packaging those guys. It is very rare that we get a guy that Brandon is not high on who's good in the league. Kessler. But other than that, like for <laughs> the most part, like Brandon's going to tell you who's going to be good. I don't really care. I'm like, <laughs> sure, I'll deal with them when they get to the league. Yeah,
1: like you, you care starting Friday. Once it yeah. gets to Friday, yeah, you now care. Friday. Now we have a team. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it
0: out. Uh, but let's start right at the top here because we actually do have something to, to talk about and a bet to make, even though it's not it's not draft related. Victor Weminyama is gonna go number one. Shocker of all shocks. <laughs> San Antonio Spurs are gonna do it. My Scoot Henderson 10 to 1 bet uh is never gonna get within remotely close what's funny is how much (laughs) hype scoot has uh i bet it blind just basically off off of the idea of like there's going to be a moment where people start talking about the bad things about victor and the good things about scoot and guess what we had it there was like when when vic got swept in those finals there was like this you know on the end big men have injuries like there was a little bit and everybody's like yeah i don't care he's he's still going one like he's still amazing (laughs) it's still victor Weminyama. but um i am talking to the number one victor (laughs) Weminyama. Hype skeptic, not Victor Weminyama skeptic. I'm going to try and be as, as charitable Thank as you. possible. Nobody <laughs> has been more skeptical of the hype about Victor Weminyama than Brandon Anderson. And Brandon, you have a specific bet against Victor Weminyama that you want to talk about to open up our show today.
1: Yeah, so so let, let me just let me paint the picture on the hype that we're talking about. We, we've all heard this, but it's been like weeks of conversation at this point. So here, here are some of the hypes that we've seen. From Kevin O'Connor at the Ringer, calls Wembanyama Gen Z Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, potential GOAT. That's what it says on the Ringer draft guide. Chris Broussard, if Wemby is Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, or Hakeem, that's a disappointment. What? Yeah, I expect him to be one of the best players ever. A career like LeBron, Jordan, Duncan, Shaq, or Kareem. Okay. Woj called Wembanyana the greatest prospect in the history of team sports in the history of team sports, in the world, ever existed. Like, the hype is out of control here. There's more of these, but I just feel like, look, he's very exciting. The talent drips off of the screen when you watch. There's no denying any of it. We've never seen anything like this. and It's fascinating to me just that alone because most years, most draft cycles, when we see the guy that we've never seen anything like it before – Usually, we're mostly against that guy. Yeah. Usually, I'm for that guy. Yeah, like I'll even say it. A year ago, I was for that guy. He just was a white Minnesotan named Chet and is a very similar sort of slight build, some injury issues. Similarly, elite defensively, Chad Holmgren. I was very much in the corner, and then Victor Wembanyama is. It's like. He's clear he's a better prospect, very clearly. He has a much more offensive skill there. But it's fascinating to me. And I don't know is it is it the international thing? We just saw what Jokic is doing. We've seen MB to win an MVP. We we've seen Luca be what looks like, you know, future MVP. I don't know when the future is, but I think we'd be surprised if we didn't get one eventually. It's an international game now. So maybe, you know, the French phenom kind of stands out. I'm betting against Wambayana in a specific way, and that is for Rookie of the Year. I'm going to bet, my my best bet of the draft season right now, I'm (laughs) starting it out hot. Scoot Henderson, plus 600 to win Rookie of the Year, I think is a patently insane number to hang on Scoot Henderson. So first of all, we just implemented a rule. It takes place starting a week from right now. When it hits July 1st, you got to play 65 games to qualify for awards. That matters to me for Victor Wembanyama because this is a giant man. We know how the injury history goes with players of this size. He has a history of uh, uh, knee issues or leg issues. He's had the back issues. He played a lot this year, but the NBA is a different place. He has a very high center of gravity. That's how bodies work. He's thin. It's going to take some time. Even guys like LeBron, Luka, two of the other best prospects in the history of team sports, didn't make the playoffs right away. Like, it takes some time to figure this stuff out. So that's a first concern for Omanyama is, does he even get a 65 games? Because of all teams in the NBA, to play the long game and not give a rip about rookie of the year, it is the San Antonio Spurs. They are not putting this dude out there toward the end of the season to just get him a couple more games and push to win him a rookie of the year trophy. That is not the Spurs game plan. In my opinion, they are going to, I think give him some, some rest games right off the bat. Like they're going to treat him to me. Like he's like LeBron or something like he's going to be taking a game off on a back-to-back here and there. And then all of a sudden you miss like three weeks with a little injury. You took like eight or 10 games off for load management. You missed a couple of weeks. We're in danger already of just qualifying to be a rookie of the year and getting the sixty-five games. So I'm starting with that in mind as already a significant concern. What do you think about that?
0: So, okay, the history of him is December to- two thousand twenty. He's got a stress fracture in his fibula. Not surprising that happens quite like that happens not just with big men. That happens like Bradley Beal had this right. So I'm not sure. necessarily like all that worried about that fractured a finger. No big deal there. Shoulder contusion. Not worried about that he had a a psoas injury which is it allows you to pull your knee up to your chest in June 2022 but that's the last time that he had like a significant injury so like I will say that usually when we have injury concerns with a big man they're more they've already we they've already popped yes. up on the radar
1: yes. so I agree I don't
0: necessarily know like the here, here is a key question that we don't know with San Antonio I can tell you what I've heard is that they are like, there was talk about Chris Paul. I've heard that talk was like really overblown that like, they're going to be very patient. They're not looking to load up and win now, which is the correct way to go about it. Don't do what they did with Anthony Davis. Don't do what the Mavericks did with Luka Doncic. You need to suck for a while. It's fine. Like suck for a while, get some muscle on the kid, develop okay. him slowly. He's still going to be awesome. You're going to win. Like you can realistically win like 30 games with like Keldon Johnson trey and and victor like that can happen you can do that um you can but you can still be very patient with how you build the roster to figure out what you need specifically around him. so i think they're going to take that approach i yeah. don't know if that's going to translate to missing games they will absolutely tank if it calls for it yeah but i don't know if that's going to be like where where that starts does that start at game 60 does that start at game 65 so like you might be up against it. I don't mind your logic. I don't think it's like a slam dunk obvious. I don't think this is like a no. is wildly wrong, but there is a window here where you could be right that he could miss the required number of games for, for 65.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's in play and, and look right now, the top three rookie of the year candidates by a wide margin are Victor scoot. And then Chad Holmgren who is eligible. Cause he didn't play last year. Chet is basically the same stuff. We just said about one. He literally has missed the whole season. Plays for the Thunder, who we know are going to make the same sort of long-term cautious decisions. I would guess this is not a Victor is injury-prone position. This is a NBA players with Victor's body type in history have been injury-prone. That It's a different position, but I would guess better than 50-50 that one of those two at least is ends up not eligible to even win Rookie of the Year by games played. And then is just the fact that scoot is really good scoot would be the number one pick in a lot of drafts i've watched uh like a handful of g league games lately scoot's explosion is great he looks like a young derrick rose or a russell westbrook not quite that level athletically but i think that he was saving a little bit of it up later in the season just kind of like i've already proven what i need to he's got the pull up now he improved a ton he spent two years with g league ignite he Improved a ton early in the season, flashed everything needed. I think Scoot is going to put up numbers right away. He's already leading a pro offense as the point guard, and he's the engine. He's going to have the ball in his hands. A concern that I have about the Victor hype overall, similar to Chad Holmgren, and why I ended up being a little bit cautious with him last year, is I don't see either of these guys right now being the engine of an offense. Maybe Victor can get there. You and I have debated this offline a little bit. Maybe the engine of an offense changes over the years to kind of fit what Victor would be. It's it's much easier, by the way, saying Victor than Wembenyama. So I'm just going to stick with that for a while. The engine thing matters because you need touches. And if he's not the engine of the offense, suddenly you're an Anthony Davis type guy. And if you're Anthony Davis, you need touches to get your scoring and get your numbers. Rookie of the year is numbers, period. Rookie of the year almost never goes to the elite defensive player with the amazing box plus minus and all the things that Brandon wants it to be, that is not what voter history says. Voter history says we want points per game, 15 or more, and 19 of the last 20, average 17.7 for rookie of the year, and we want PRA, points, rebounds, assess. I think there's a very real chance that Victor Wimignano puts up something like, uh, this is going to sound crazy to you, but like my guess for his line would be something like 14, 7, and 2. Like, I think he's going to have games where he just doesn't score very much. And I don't think he's going to have huge, huge scoring games. I don't know if that will be his role right away. And I know we see the dazzling shot, and it looks great, but the results of the numbers have not been so great. I think he'll be a big defensive playmaker. He'll get the shot blocks. Maybe we'll charitably add that into his PRA, PRA B for Victor, and see if he gets that in there. But I think Scoot is going to put up, like, 17-4-7. He's going to get to 25-30 PRA with ease assuming he's in the right spot. I'm a little cautious on, okay, where does he land? Because we don't know. We'll get to that in a second here. Maybe Charlotte. Well, if he does, that probably means Terry Rozier goes. And if that's the case, that's 21, four, and five. That is replaceable by whatever Scoot would be doing. If it's to Portland, I don't think he goes to Portland and Dame stays. So now you get Dame's numbers to replace. If it is the Pelicans trading in, it's got to mean Ingram or Zion or somebody went out in the trade and now you have those numbers to replace. So... To me, I'm very confident in Scoot's production. I think he's going to put up numbers. I legitimately think, look, I'm not setting the odds, so you can't hold me to this because I don't have my own sports book. I actually just think Scoot would be the favorite if I was making my odds. The Brandon Sports Book, I think that he is the the most likely Rookie of the Year. I don't need him to be because I'm getting six to one right now, so I'm going to take the six to one and it is my favorite bet. And I think that we're going to see. Scoot's gonna play in summer league. We know Victor probably isn't necessarily, or probably would play like a game or two if he does. I think we're gonna see a lot of hype with Scoot. He is the real deal, and uh, I think he's gonna be very much in the Rookie of the Year race.
0: Let's. Um, I want to get to the the two, three, four, five because that's gonna impact your bet as well. Yeah, but I do want to ask you this: Why are you cautious about Victor's scoring acumen?
1: I, I it's partly the offensive engine thing that I don't know that he's gonna have enough touches and confounded by the fact that i don't really trust the spurs to have a lot of guys to get him the touches to get him easy points necessarily because really? i think
0: i i think a lot of this is how much spurs do you what, did you watch last year and it's okay if you didn't watch a lot no not of a season.
1: lot i'll it's be honest terrible. not so, high I, on my list so a lot of this is like
0: i really like trey jones
1: like, yeah i've I seen a lot of Trey jones, jones for sure
0: and like what i kind of think about is if you're talking about touches touches come from actions right the Spurs are just gonna—they're gonna run that pick and pop action with him over and over and over again, and teams are either gonna have to switch it, or they're because if they don't, they're—he's such a lob threat with his size. He's just such a freaking lob threat. Yeah, um, they'll probably switch it, which means that he's got you in space, and that crossover pull-up mid-range is stronger than his spot-up three work. Um, True. so like I, anyway, it's a—it's a like it's an interesting question. Yeah, I right? I, I so, think that.
1: I think I view Wem and Yama a couple of years ago. You and I debated and ended up both losing Cade Cunningham versus Jalen Green. It was our big fight on rookie of the year. I think I see my concerns that I had for Jalen Green at the time is what I have for Wemby. I think he's going to ha- be a highlight reel. He's going to have a game where he drops 27 and everyone is retweeting highlights and he has crazy block, grab and go, three steps, dunk on the other end. But I think he's also going to have a game where he like gets three fouls in the first two minutes and ends up putting up like no stats that game because his body is going to just do that. Sometimes I think he's gonna have a couple Anthony Davis games where you play like eight minutes and then picked up an injury because like a 300 pound dude dunked on him. And then he ended up not playing enough minutes. And that goes into your, your score line. I think we have a night where the, sh- the three isn't falling because that's what the stats say about him. So he goes like one of nine on shooting and scores four points that night or something. Scoot, I'm a lot more confident, is going to just produce night after night after night. And it's just the the way that the numbers average out. I'm confident his numbers are going to show. Vic, if I'm saying 14 and 7, it's because I think there's going to be nights where he only has two rebounds, three rebounds, where he only has five points or eight points. And I I worry that the bulk of the season and an 82-game award is going to end up that the numbers won't be there enough. And I'm, I'm confident Scoots will be.
0: Let's go, let's talk about Scoot a little bit here because let's talk about two, three, four, five, which is a really interesting dynamic. Uh, The order, for those of you that need a reminder, the order is Charlotte holds the number uh, two spot in the lottery. We'll talk about their spot uh, as it stands in the draft. Rather they, they hold the number two spot. Portland holds the number three spot looking to trade out of that to keep Damian Lillard. Number four is the Houston Rockets. Number five is the Detroit Pistons. Okay. So this dynamic is really interesting almost immediately there was buzz about brandon miller to charlotte like that was like the immediate push was like brandon miller to charlotte brandon miller to charlotte brandon miller to charlotte um mitch kupchak in in his post-draft interview said we're in more of a position to draft for fit than we would have been maybe in some other situations which is not saying that they're going to draft for fit i just want to warn you right now don't do this Don't do this, Charlotte. You have a number two pick. You want to know why you had a number two pick? Because your team fucking sucked. When you suck that badly, you need to take the best player available. I used to be a fit guy. I used to do that. I've learned my lesson. Just take the best player. Uh, So like Miller is more of a fit for them because of LaMelo, which moves Scoot to number three. There is like a whole lot of things that hinge on this. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte, I will tell you, has talked to several, like there are several teams that are interested in Charlotte. The last I have heard, and this information is, I don't know, three, four days old. The last I have heard is Charlotte has not made a decision. They do not know if it's Brandon Miller. They do not know if it's Scoot Henderson. They are open to taking offers. If you are talking, if this is where it gets really fascinating, Charlotte did not, had not had Scoot in for a workout and then got him in. And they made a big deal of having him in for a workout. Now, I think that part of that is probably like, hey, Scoot's really good. And as the the draft evaluation has gone on longer, Scoot went into a dip and then has come back out of it. And now everyone's very high on Scoot. And especially the Hornets have probably noticed that everyone around the league, if you are trading into the top three, guess who you're not trading up for? Brandon Miller. Guess who you're trading up for? scoot Henderson there are executives that have described him at least in circles that I've heard as like quote could be an MVP candidate at some point that's how highly they speak of scoot Henderson I have no idea I'm telling you what I've heard so so Charlotte now has the opportunity to put a lot of pressure on the market because Portland is desperate to try and get something for the number three pick and the scoot thing has been great for them because they're able to say hey You could trade with us and give us your star player and you get scoot to build around. And they're talking to the New Orleans Pelicans with Zion Williamson. And they're talking with another team that I can't quite talk about, but it is for what I would tell you is an all star caliber player. Like those two guys are on the are on the table for those conversations. They've had other other talks with uh, the Raptors about Pascal Siakam. That's another one I can say has has happened. They have talked to, to the Raptors about Pascal Siakam for the number three. That's a pain because you're dealing with the Raptors and the Raptors are like, OK, Pascal for Siakam. And you're like, great. And Shaden Sharp. You know, no, what? No, like we had a deal. That's the problem with the Raptors. Um, so Charlotte now has a lot of incentive to keep the pressure on to be like, we might take Scoot. You don't want like and you're going to have to give us more than you're going to give give Portland because our picks higher. Like if you really want Scoot and we take him you're out of luck. And that, you know, so there's a lot of stuff that happens here. Here's like the crazy thing. If Charlotte takes Scoot Henderson, my opinion is that the odds of Damian Lillard not being a Portland Trailblazer go up by like 20%, maybe more. Like there, I wrote about this this weekend on Action Network. You can find the article. There is a whole game theory thing being played out here. And there is an intense amount of pressure that the Blazers keep trying to be like, I'm not really worried. We're not worried about it. It's going to be fine. And, like, I'm just telling you that the closer we get to the draft, Damian Lillard's people for sure are making everybody sure known that, like, you better get a deal done for that third pick. You better not bring a rookie into camp to play next to Dame. So, like, massive amounts of pressure there. The only – so the end point of this is a better. Scoot's not going past three. Whenever – if you want to take a long shot on somebody, if you want to bet on – I don't think you should. I think it's going to go Victor and then some order of Miller Scoot. I think that's like going to be the order here. Well, okay. I think it's going to be Victor one and scoot either goes two or three. Brandon, I will say this. I think if anybody in the top five falls, my opinion is that Brandon Miller would be the guy that would slip.
1: Yeah, I I agree with all of that. Uh, That's the the same conclusion that I've drawn as well is obviously we know Vic is going to one. We know this. The only other thing I am certain about in the draft is that scoot goes second or third and more and more likely I'm beginning to think scoot goes second. I don't know. I'm probably not going to bet number two or number three pick, because again, that comes back to me. I'm not enough confident in my Intel, or if I am, it's going to have to be a fire now because we just heard the thing and this is the pick and then it goes quickly. So I think scoot is going to go there. To me, on my draft board, which is irrelevant to any of this, but for me personally, Scoot's in his own tier. we got a Vic tier, we have a Scoot tier, and then Miller with some other guys. It seems like, from what I've heard and seen uh, on draft Twitter and on some of these other lottery boards, it seems like Scoot is at least similarly placed on some of these other scouting opinions. That's why he's locked into that second or third pick. I think, too, a reason why teams are so gung ho for him. In addition to the possible MVP upside to the possible like athleticism and all the other stuff, the intangibles with scoot are so good. People love this guy. Like he's a leader. He's competitive. He's gonna, he's going to be the guy that your team's social media is going to post with that. Like the x-rays of, of your lungs and then the dog in there, like scoot has the dog in him When we saw G League play Mets 92 in the fall and he went up against Scoot, went up against Wemenyana, like dude tried to end him. He tried to dunk on him and he got blocked because Scoot is six foot two and and Wemenyana is not six foot two. It did not go well for him, but teams love that stuff. Like it's interesting with Portland because like for so long, the Blazers love Dame for a lot of reasons, including that he is the guy you want as the face of your franchise. By all looks, it seems like Scoot is the guy you want in the face of your franchise. And I won't comment about Brandon Miller, whether he is that or not, but you can Google some legal stuff and find out if you think that seems like a face of the franchise. Okay. I understand. No, I guess this I guess, I guess not because this
0: is really important. Look, I would say that the intel on that, like teams have done their research on it. And I would say that while there are, there's never not going to be concerns when the player is involved in a legal situation like that. Like there's never, like it's never going to be like, ah, no big deal right? I mean, somebody died, right? Like that you're never, somebody was murdered. I will say that there has been absolutely nothing
1: Yes, I agree. to
0: implicate Miller in any regard. He was cleared very quickly by police and that the background Intel has not like revealed more on that situation beyond like, I don't think that it's a zero in the conversation, but it needs to be like stated. Like, I don't think that's material to the conversation and like, yeah because of how complicated it is and, and the delicacy of it we got to be be careful there
1: you're you're right Th- thank you for saying that i agree with that i just i, I bring it up to say we I, we have a lot of positives we've heard for scoot certainly that's not a positive that's all right. that, that, so that's, that's not that's a positive Yeah. so a- as a better who wants to bet on on uncertainty here's another of my best bets for today And I and you know, early on, right on the night of the draft, you and I talked about, I like Brandon Miller to go number two. At the time, it was plus 160 heading into the lottery, and it quickly flipped. I've gone back the other way now. You've got me convinced. NBA Twitter has got me convinced. Scoot goes two or three. And if Scoot goes number two, and if it's Charlotte or whoever trading up, now I'm going to bet on uncertainty because... I know the likely outcome is that Miller is just the next guy and goes number three and that's who Portland likes and he fits and like Miller's a guy that's going to fit on every team. He's got length. He's a shooter. He plays on the wing. Every single NBA team needs that player. There's no reason Portland couldn't use that player, but there's also no reason that we know for sure that that is the guy that have to be in on. Like he's not that clear of a number one pick in other drafts talent. So I will bet Brandon Miller to be the number four pick at 26 to one at our sponsor FanDuel. And again, look, he could slide further than that. So I might, I, I can lose this bet the wrong direction, right? He could not be two or three. And then I'd be like, oh, well, Houston didn't want him anyways. Houston wanted Aman or whoever the other pick was gonna be. So I realize that's the downside of this bet. But to me, I'm gonna bet on uncertainty. I, I never believe when we get past the top tier, that next tier that everyone thinks is locked in, you talked about. I want you to name some of the names now. Names that you've hit big on in past drafts. Scotty Barnes, I think. Um, uh, Patrick Williams, I think, yep. was it another one that you did well on? Yeah. To me, these are this. It's the spot. It's like that number four or five spot where there's a little drop off, and we all locked in on the guy we thought was there, and actually that team didn't agree with who we thought was there. So this is a bet on if Miller if Miller doesn't go to, and isn't who Charlotte wanted all along. That maybe slips a little bit. So 26 to one on Miller, just a, just a nibble. I'm not going crazy here, but Miller to fall to number four, not because of any of the things we talked about not because he's not good for no other reason than the draft is unpredictable. And we have two picks before that. And all I need is Miller to just not be the third one and and to be the fourth one. (laughs) The
0: the guys that jump in my experience and this leads us into like our conversation for three, four or athleticism. It just is. If you get guys young enough, you can develop the, the, athleticism. It's one of the reasons why scoots like such a kind of dividing prospect because the athleticism is absolutely unreal. The shooting is a concern. And like, you have teams that are just like, I don't know, man, this is a shooter's league. I don't know if I want it. I don't know if I want Westbrook 2.0, you know, like that's been a lot of the conversation is like, yeah. I, I would have loved Russell. I would have loved scoot Henderson back into somebody said to me, like, I would love scoot Henderson back in 2010. But the, the hmm. game now because of Curry has effectively changed. Sure. The only if Scoop goes to Portland's in trouble.
1: Yeah, that's that is a nightmare scenario for the Blazers.
0: Because I don't know that anybody's trading up for Miller. Agreed. They might, however, trade up for Amin Thompson. That's one that I could see happening that you could have a team that likes because Amen apparently, from what I've heard, has been killing workouts that there are guys that do well in the pro days. There's guys that do well at the combine and there's guys that do well in the individual workouts and how much that matters really depends on what front office you're talking about. Cause some teams are like, I don't care how, like, I don't care that he was grumpy when he was here for dinner because he doesn't want us to draft him. I'm taking him. He's the best player. Um, And there's other guys that are like, I just don't get the right vibe from him. I don't think he's a good fit for our culture. I didn't like this answer that he gave. Like there's all these types of things. Mm -hmm. Amen. Has apparently been awesome in the workouts. And so, like, I think there's a good chance that Amon might move up. And that, that honestly is alarming to me because I have a bet on Cam Whitmore at four. Um, because I had heard that Cam Whitmore is like, there was a number for him at under five and a half and that got erased. I bet that and it got erased. And now his number is, I think, four and a half. And so it might still be five and a half, but it's just under.
1: And yeah. So, I, last I saw it was five and a half, but like a minus 260 or something. Yeah.
0: It's a minus 260. And that's, and that's tough here. I do think it's interesting. You haven't been as high on Cam Whitmore. Yeah. Why not?
1: So he's, he's not a very me type of prospect. He, Whitmore is the explosive athlete part two. Like some of the things that we were saying about scoot is what folks are saying. And first off, that's a bit of a problem for me because Whitmore played through injury a lot at Villanova and played in, if, if you've watched Villanova at any point for a while now, they are a team that likes to kind of slow things down and be very, you know, very, very careful, take care of the ball, play the Villanova style of basketball. Whitmore is like the bowling ball transition guy that you want to get out and run. And Villanova, I think, was maybe not the perfect fit for that. I don't love his feel for the game. And I know that that feels very nebulous, but that to me is one of the skills that I can't teach. Like, that's one of the skills I watch the most for is just do you have intuitive feel, IQ? Is your passing ability there? He has Whitmore has averaged zero point seven assists per game. Like he would have a historically terrible assist rate for effectively a wing here to to jump in. Uh, he shot uh, not great. I, he's supposed to be a good shooter, but he shot thirty four percent on threes. Not huge volume. He also has he's six foot seven, but he's only a plus two wingspan. So I think. To me, Whitmore plays like a guy that's a 3-4, like a combo forward type, a guy that you might hope might play some four for you. But by size, he almost feels more like a two to me and even by the style that he plays with. like I think actually I've seen some people compare him to Anthony Edwards, who obviously is on my Timberwolves and was a number one pick and is a great player. And that should be a good comp if he's that. But I think that's more the sort of player he is and he's a downhill attacking sort of player. A lot of the limitations that I've seen from him are things that are not easily fixable. And I don't find that he would fit as easily into a team construction. However, I don't find myself betting against Whitmore specifically because of this. There are teams that I've learned over time who I have a decent instinct for, who they what sort of players they like. And there are teams too where it's like, oh yeah, of course, like the for not anymore because the wizards changed. But for years, if I just had like a junior senior blue blood player that I don't really like that much, I'll just oh, like wizards. put them to wizards in in my mock draft because they just took those guys. The rockets don't take guys that I like. They just don't. The rockets take different dudes than what I like, and the rockets are fourth. And the rockets are the team that has been rumored to take him or Amon Thompson, who has a lot of very similar elite, crazy athleticism, size, great things about him questions about the feel. Those are guys that I'm lower on on my board. They're guys that Houston tends to take. So I have to be kind of cautious with how to bet that.
0: Yeah. So I'm I'm trying to find ways to hedge with 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 Whitmore. I do think that Whitmore goes no further than five. That's as far as I think he slides. Um, what I've heard is the interviews have not been great. Hmm. I've heard that he has not been great in the individual interviews. Now I want to be very clear on this because like agents obviously don't feel good with this and anybody who's a player advocate is like this is crap to put this out there. Look I've bombed job interviews before. Have you bombed a job interview? Absolutely, we all have. It's okay. Some people don't interview well. Some people are great as empl- I'm a better interviewer than I am an employee, I'm gonna be real with you. So like, it doesn't really matter. This stuff is not determinative of who these kids are gonna be, what kind of person they are, how talented they are, whether they're a star, whether they're a professional. It doesn't, like this doesn't have this, none of this is real, okay? <laughs> So when I, I when I share that information that the perception has been that he has not, that the individual workouts and interviews have not gone great for Cam Whitmore, it, one, does not mean that that's going to decide where he goes because there are teams in this range, including Houston, that I don't think it matters for. And two, even if they they it were to impact his stock slightly, he could still wind up being an absolutely amazing player. Like, this is, the draft is tough. It's a tough thing to do. Um, so, that said, let's kind of run down this. So Scoot, Scoot, Brandon, let's go ahead and say 2-3. Scoot yeah. Miller, 2-3. Um, Amon, Whitmore, one of them goes four.
1: Yeah, seems like it.
0: And here's what I think is interesting. If Amon doesn't go four, I think Amon slides because I think five goes to Jarris Walker if Whitmore's off the floor. I think if Whitmore's off the table, is not on the board at at, at five, I think the Pistons take Jarris Walker. If Amon Thompson goes four and the Pistons are there at five, I think they take Cam Whitmore and then Jairus Walker slides. And I already bet Jairus Walker under five and a half or under eight and a mm-hmm. half is what his number is. I would, I like Jairus Walker to go pretty high here. He is, he has done, all I've heard about Jairus Walker is good things yeah. and there are very smart teams that I've heard are extremely interested in moving up to get him. Jerris Walker is a guy I've heard that like teams want to move up to get. There's an I always want to pay attention to those guys. And the reason is when you start hearing X team wants to move up to take Y, that gets around in those circles and other teams will take a look at them and be like, "Oh, it might be this guy." That happened with Josh Giddy, where mm-hmm. like other teams were making making a lot of noise about wanting to get Josh Giddy and we were like, "Man, Josh Giddy may go 10." And he went 7. Like that's how much this stuff can move. Uh, the three guys I think in that category this year are Jairus Walker, Derek Lively, and Kobe Buffkin. Those are the three guys I think they mm-hmm. have like the most hype moving them up the board because there are enough teams I've heard want to move up specifically to take those guys. So my, my kind of like equation here on, to, on terms of how to bet this is uh, obviously this is kind of complicated and we'll have more on like trying to firm up this stuff on yeah. – the wednesday episode but like i will say uh number five right now the favorite is cam whitmore plus 125 you can still get cam at a plus number uh for him to go number four is plus 170 so if you if we want to say cam either goes four or five and i think he does you can bet either spot here and come out like a small minus number and be okay on that one um so that's one dynamic that i would i would probably look at i do think that that's that's pretty good you can go get more complicated. And they do have first four and first five exacts now at Fanduel. Um, so, for example, Victor Miller, Henderson, Cam Almond, which I don't think is how it's going to go, is like plus six hundred. Um, there's a number of these type of things. I want to get to one of your best bets here because I don't want to move out of this without doing this analysis, and then we'll just mention it again at the end. Yeah, you like Asser over Almond, yes?
1: Uh, I like Asar's draft potential to be taken ahead of Amen. It's another bet on uncertainty. Oh, no, I guess I'll, I'll own it. I gave you my draft board. I have a star ranked ahead of Amon. To me, not on an Intel. You just you just list it off. Give me the three names again, the guys that you feel like would be the, the guys you trade up for. You gave me Bofkin Lively.
0: Lively and Jairus Walker.
1: And Jairus Walker. So I think Amon Thompson is in that group from a prospect standpoint, but only except that he might just be gone anyways. But I agree with what you said, that he is a guy that absolutely could go four. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if somebody has Amon Thompson number two on their draft board. I would not be stunned. Not no intel. None. I'm not the intel guy. I would not be stunned from a scouting standpoint if Amon is a guy that someone traded up to even two or three to go get. That would not stun me. He's a guy that is like a freak. He he will be a top five athlete entering the NBA. That's how good of an athlete he is. He's 6'7", seven, seven foot wingspan. He maybe will be a point guard and if that's the case and he has like effectively you're you're looking at like a Ben Simmons type player but the good version the one that still plays basketball Ben Simmons with hyper athleticism can't shoot yet neither one of the thompson twins shoots we don't we don't know how that's going to go but with amon thompson if you have a ben simmons type player and remember the good version the one that Matt bet to make all nba a year ago that version we like ben simmons when he's good That version is an all-NBA caliber player, but requires a very specific team and a very specific construct. And I know, draft the best player and not for fit. But once you get past those top few picks, that gets less and less. Now you're trying to take the guy that you need or the guy that fits into your scheme or what you're looking for. And I think you're right. If Amon doesn't go forward to Houston, there are a bunch of spots I don't love as a possible Amon's landing spot falling down the list. By comparison, Asar Thompson is more of a role-playing complementary guy already. That's what we've seen from Overtime Elite. By the way, Overtime Elite, just a little context for that. These dudes are both 20 years old. Obviously, they're twins. We're playing against a lot of 16-year-olds. Like We don't really know what the Thompson twins are. Overtime Elite is its own side program that we're, we're getting there. We're figuring it out. They're basically just like playing pickup, running transition most of the game. But so far, what we've seen, Asar seems to have a better feel for the game, better, like, natural role player. He moves the ball a little more quickly, more quicker decisions. He's a good cutter. He's been the better defender so far. They both have high defensive potential, but he has been a better team defender, kind of being in the right spot. Again, great athlete, not as good as Amon. Amon, to me, here's the difference. Amon has the better ceiling. Asar has the higher floor. And as I look at the top ten and look at these teams, let me, let me pull up the list here. Like uh, number six, Orlando Magic. Do you need a wing that could shoot some threes, hopefully in time, defend, fit a roster that works already? Great, Magic, Asar fits. Amen. I don't know, different sort of fit. Pacers. Do you need a wing that can defend and just fit into your roster? Like again, every team needs that player. Asar is three to one to be taken ahead of Amen Thompson. That would be an upset. Absolutely. That is not what we are expecting. Amen has the higher ceiling, but to me, Amon is a guy that a team maybe will love or that some teams maybe just won't really have much on their board at all. Whereas Sar is the safer version and a more team friendly version. So yeah, this is my final best bet is a over Amen Again, partly on uncertainty in the draft, and like you said, with some of the Amon teams that may or may not work up there, and then partly on just that, I think Asar fits NBA rosters much more easily.
0: Kevin O'Connor at the ringer and his ringer guide, he's got Assar ahead of Amon as well. So something to consider is like, this is, the, this is I think that the draft Knicks are, are gonna like Assar more than Amon. And I think it's telling, there are, there's like, look, there are draft Knicks, that work <laughs> in the league and like they do have, they they have a very good sense for what some of the teams are on the board for. What's interesting about this draft though is you do have like you have guys in Scoot and Amon that I think you're right with the ceiling. Teams are more likely to trade up to move for them, but yeah. if you're not in the position of like we want to swing for the fences, if you're just like I just need a good player, then Amon might slide past them.
1: Yeah, so that's like
0: that's really interesting. And the question there is like would Oscar go ahead? of Amen. Like if you're in that yeah. spot or you're like, I really do like how many people are, 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 are not on not only like I'm not as high on Amen as everybody else, but I'm so high on Oster. I will pass up both Amen and these other guys for him to go. What do we think is like a floor for
1: Amen? I, I actually think that his floor, like if there were, if there were alternate lines and I could bet like over eight and a half, over 11 and a half, I would probably play an Amen over escalator on like, he could be the dude that's kind of sitting in the green room, tumbling a little bit, not because he's not a good player, but just because, yeah, I think what you're saying, like look at like magic at six pacers at seven. I would have said this, well, wizard to me, they might be in play now. I think you take Amon. If you're like, we got to just find a dude to be the face of our team and be our star. We don't have it. The Pacers have that the Pacers have their team. The magic have their dudes. Like the rockets have some dudes, but Amon, Fits really well to that roster as a ball mover, a guy with size, someone that can defend next to Jalen Green. That makes a lot of sense to me from a team building perspective. Now I haven't really, I haven't figured out what the Rockets' team building decision making has gone, but I don't know what the floor is. I-, I-, I could see him. I would be pretty surprised if I saw him in the fall out of the lottery. We haven't seen it. That's on no mock drafts anywhere. I think that he is almost certainly a top ten pick. But I might be wrong, too. We've seen these times before, like the Lopez twins, the Morris twins. The weird thing to me that's sticking in my head is these dudes often get drafted, like, back-to-back back or, like, right in a row. And if I'm remembering right, I feel like sometimes the order we thought they were going to go in ends up being flipped. In, in And that that's just, like, completely availability heuristic and all sorts of bias and that. So so don't make a decision off of that. But I think these guys are going to go close together. I think Almond could slide to... I don't know, like eight to the Wizards could be a possibility. Again, Utah, Dallas, nine and 10. That's Those are not Amon fits to me. I don't see no. that. So now it's like, okay, well, now, now it goes, hey, this dude's sliding. We're sitting down here at 17, 20, 22. This could be a star. Let's go make a deal for it. And I think yeah. that's who ends up getting him.
0: Here's what I would say. If you think Amon and Miller are top five, then you should bet Jairus Walker over six and a half minus 175 there's only so many spots right if now i will say that i am skeptical of that i think one of those guys falls
1: one one of which guys
0: brandon miller almond thompson
1: yeah falls how far out of the five out of the five okay
0: i think that that's i think that's possible i think that not even possible i think that that's like how i would have it right now based off of what i've heard but again like if you if you actually got if let's say that you were just a casual fan you ran into, into a guy and he wasn't worried about about the information getting out he trusted you for whatever reason they don't as a rule but if they did <laughs> um like they would tell you like look we really haven't made up our mind like we have until Thursday and so we're gonna keep reviewing stuff and we're going to keep talking about it they get in these rooms and they go over and they go over and they go over and a lot of times there's disagreement like there's heavy disagreement on these things like I will tell you right now the Dallas Mavericks are split on what to do with 10. Half the room wants to trade it. Half the room wants to, wants to draft it, and they are getting some great picks there, which is what I want to talk about next. Hey, real quick note here for Matt Moore, senior NBA writer. Yeah, it's Asar Thompson, not Oscar Thompson. Uh, the reason that I pronounced it that way is I read it in print, obviously, like hundreds of times since the start of prospect season, but had never actually heard it pronounced. And I read this morning an article, I'm not going to say which one to embarrass that publication, but a very well-known uh, article about, I don't know how to say this, athletic competition. They focus on the athletics of the world. And they actually had a note in there that it was Osser and not Sar. And so I was like, nah, no, no, because I want to say Sar. Anyway, it's Asar Thompson. My apologies to Asar Thompson and everyone with the Thompson family going forward just heads up. Every time I say Osser, oh, think Asar. Thanks. When we talk about how the rest of this one goes, if we look at more of the, let's look at at 8, 9, 10, et cetera, there's a couple of names I want to go over. Um, I have bet this morning, Anthony Black, 8 or 9. I do not think that he gets past Utah. If Cam Whitmore slips, then maybe that changes. But my opinion is that he does not get past Utah. So he either goes eight or nine, in my opinion. So I and bet to both. be
1: clear, those are those are two separate bets. You've bet them independently, correct? Yes. And his Black- his over under annoyingly is eight and a half, right yes. at the line. So you're you're skipping that and betting exact outcome to eight or nine.
0: Yeah. So I bet Anthony Black eight plus one forty. Anthony Black nine plus three ninety. That's what I bet this morning. Um, okay. I don't think that black gets out of the top 10. There are some people that are lower on him. I don't know that the draft, I don't think that draft Twitter is as high on him. And again, those people, there are individuals that work in the league that come from draft Twitter. So I don't like, I pay attention to that stuff, but I don't think he gets out of there. Uh, Taylor Hendricks. I don't think he gets out of the top 10. I think Taylor Hendricks goes top 10. Derek Lively is a name that I reported this weekend. And I continue to hear a lot about, there are multiple teams, including the Hawks, the Warriors, and I've heard soft things on a couple of other teams that want to get up for lively at 10. The Mavericks are going to have offers. They're not what I've, I've heard some of them and they're not like, wow. It's like, Hey, do you want to like move back and get a player and two picks? And that Dallas is not jumping at that because Dallas needs to build a contender around a Baron Luca, like right now, but, (laughs) and then maybe Kyrie. (laughs) Well, now I'll say this too. The sun's getting Beal. That increases the odds of Kyrie staying. Yeah. That's one more team that's off the board. So it's down to like Miami if they got crazy and did some weird stuff, the clear cap space or did a sign and trade. Uh the Lakers who would have to do find someone to take D'Angelo Russell. Um, and like that's about it. Like we're we're real low on Kyrie options here. Houston, I've mentioned is I think a maybe. Um mm-hmm. Houston, you kind of mentioned, by the way. This is what makes Almond Thompson like so interesting. It's one of the reasons I'm a little skeptical on the Almond Thompson Houston thing. There's already reports that they've talked to Van Vliet. I've heard the same. Like I've heard that they are have a they are ready on an offer. They have talked like they were after Chris Paul. Uh, they are interested in Kyrie Irving. They have talked to Fred Van Vliet. Not I'm sorry. Theoretically, they've talked to Fred Van Vliet because you can't talk to anyone because <laughs> it's tampering. Yeah. Um, all of these point guards, they already have Jalen Green. Are you gonna get a veteran point guard draft Amon and keep Jalen at, at small forward? Is that is that yeah, doesn't so, make a
1: lot of sense, right? I, I, you, uh, you're you skipping past the name that I, yeah, uh, as a listener, I want to make sure that we like where are we are in James Harden and Houston. That's been the thing we've been hearing for a few weeks. Are, are, are we moved past that now?
0: I'm not willing to say that it's not going to happen. I will say that what's been interesting is the pushback from both teams is that Houston, from what I've heard, is a little bit like a little bit of we don't want to get played, we don't, we're not here just to get used no. to get the value driven up for James to get the contract that he wants from Daryl. And on the other side, the Sixers are projecting like, look, if he moves on, we'll figure it out. We got Tyrese Maxey. We're not going to do a Max year deal for him. So like there's this big standoff here. I I talked to this is one individual that is not connected with the Sixers. This is just a comment I heard from a league person, which is Daryl eventually is going to give James what he wants. That's the that's the assumption from now. I will say like Daryl Morey, not extremely popular with some circles of the league. (laughs) <laughs> personally i appreciate daryl's perspective on things in the very select number of times i've ever spoken with him um so anyway that's one of the things that's weird with with the almond situation lively is a guy that i do think is in like the top 10 conversation if i'm wrong i'm gonna get burned on that i bet lively top 10 like that's a number that that's a thing that i have bet at oh. FanDuel right now derek lively is plus 260 to go top 10 um brandon help me out with Bilal's name
1: i think it's belal koulibaly Okay, the, blog, the hot blog. international name,
0: um, plus 185. Grady Dick is plus 250. Uh, I don't know why the, why the market is still showing Grady Dick at this number and in this draft position. It's been very weird for me to see this. Uh, Grady Dick is only plus 190 to go under 10 and a half, he's minus 250 to go over. I would tell you that I would put his number higher than 10 and a half, like I would have it 11 and a half at minimum, maybe 12 and a half. That's not to say that Grady Dick won't go 12 if somebody really likes the shooting, but I have not heard good things about in terms of where Grady Dick is at relative to the other names that are being that are moving up the board. Grady Dick is not one of those guys.
1: I would just say to Grady Dick, Gr- Grady Dick is like, you're, you're getting like a Kyle Korver type. You're getting a movement yep. shooter. And I, I hate comparing him to another white shooter that's such a lazy comp, but like, that's the game. He's probably the best shooter in the draft. To me, the number is at 10 and a half for one reason and one reason alone. If Dallas keeps their pick and the Mavericks stay at their spot, Grady Dick has been what I've seen the most popular guy mocked to that spot. Now, I don't think Dallas is keeping that pick. I think Dallas all along went and tanked the end of their season to get that pick so that they could trade and get the veteran or whatever they were doing. Right. But I think that's why it's at 10.5 is, and usually look at the number. The number is not random. They haven't just like made a guess. The number is almost always right. That hook is right after a team that absolutely could take that guy. And when you're betting, you're choosing is Dallas going to take him or not. And a lot of your intel right now is saying that Dallas is, is, sounds like that Dallas would move the pick and that Dallas may have other options anyway. So I think that makes a lot of sense. I like Grady Dick a lot. He's going to go. I I think he's going to go in the lottery probably just everyone needs a shooter, but he may not be a top 10. Yeah. He's a, he's a floor versus ceiling sort of player.
0: There's one player in this range of guys that I don't have anything on and I need your help with him. Casein uh, Wallace out of Kentucky. I don't know. Okay. Now he's rep by well-known, well-established, longtime agent Jeff Schwartz out of Excel um, as well as uh, it, like his, his team reps him as a more accurate representation of this over at Excel. Um, Max Lipset and Marcus Monk are both are both listed as his agents. Um, I haven't heard anything. And we mentioned this, like if I don't hear anything, I tend to exclude them. And he may be a guy that's just like in that range and winds up getting taken ninth or whatever. Um, what are your thoughts on Cason Wallace out of Kentucky?
1: So, Cason Wallace, the name you're going to hear attached to him, and it's the right name, is Drew Holiday. If you were drafting Cason Wallace, you're hoping you're getting Drew Holiday. And now that's dangerous because there's a reason there aren't a lot of Drew Holidays. Drew Holiday, of course, you're getting, you want him because of the defense, the point of attack defender, guy that can. Like if Caseon Wallace is the player that you hope he's going to be when you draft him top 10 or lottery, or whatever, you're taking him because you expect him to make multiple all-defense teams, assuming maybe not because I think we changed all defense to not have to be guards anymore. But in the world where we have to pick four all-defense guards, Caseon Wallace, he's long. He's 6'4 by 6'9 wingspan. He's a great point of attack. He gets low. He's strong. He's a team defender. He communicates. He's a guy that Sets everything up for what your defense can do. He doesn't have a lot of offense. So the shot is questionable. He's not super explosive or athletic. He's going to be a fine athletic guy in the NBA, but not stand out there. So I as a Timberwolves fan, that reminds me a little bit of Chris Dunn from Providence. Back in the day where we drafted him, we, uh, whatever. The Timberwolves drafted Chris Dunn, hoping that the defense would be good. They knew that because defense is a pretty safe floor but hoping the offense would come around. It didn't really ever do that. And now he just kind of bounces around as a role player. That's the, that's the worry with, with Kaysen. So I I think he's another one where he could be a culture sort of pick. Like he could be a guy, uh, you know, uh, a Caruso or a Pat Beverly sort of guy, but Caruso and Pat Beverly didn't get drafted. Like, they didn't go in the lottery. They didn't get drafted at all. They, like, floated around the world in different spots before they got their chance in the league. It's dangerous. I love Kasem. It's dangerous to draft a guard for defense and hope that you find some offense to get on the court. It's a dangerous play that's not going well for teams. So he's a guy that I like a lot, but it's going to depend a lot where he lands. And he's another one that wouldn't surprise me that a lot of teams just aren't in on him because he could be someone that you you just don't have the right spot for.
0: I wish they would less parlay these. I so wish they would less parlay draft positions. It'd be so much, it'd be so fun for us. Um, <laughs> Kobe Bufkin, I am not, I, I just cannot stress the number of times I've heard that name. Yeah. In the last like five days. He is popular. Um, now there are guys that rise and then they get over examined and they slide back. There are guys that get talked about and then they get floated in a lot of rumors because a team, one team is putting it out there to try and generate a trade offer from a specific team that happens. It's rare, but I've, I've heard it happening. Um, So like these things are, are complicated, but like one, the market is it, it's, is wild for Kobe Bufkin. Like it is a wild market uh, for Kobe Bufkin at FanDuel Sportsbook. uh, Kobe Bufkin's over under is 12 and a half. The over is plus 104. The under is minus 138. You can get him to go, elsewhere there are top 10 picks um for him to go top 10 at one book is is plus 100 that's how low it is there oh wow yeah so like i think that that's crazy i would not bet that i don't know this is what's tough for me because i i put out this weekend a list of of guys i felt were in the top 10 and kobe buffkin is not in that group if i'm wrong then like i'm gonna lose on like one of these anthony black or one of the or lively Like, I'm just – there's no way I hit Anthony Black and Lively when there's only, like, five spots out of that top five. But I do kind of wonder – I have been resistant to betting – the market – I will say this, too. The market reacted more to Kobe Bufkin than it did to almost anybody else I've seen. Yeah, Like, there was a – he went from, like, 18, 15 – 13 and now 12 and a half. Like it's been a drastic move on Kobe Bufkin.
1: Yeah. And and from my experience, and I've only really been betting the draft for a couple of years, when that happens, you should believe it. Like when we've seen dudes like that, I'm trying to think of an example from past years. I can't think of a good one. But when you see a guy that like started at like a 20 and a half and then starts dropping down and gets toward a top 10, that's not smoke. Like there, the where there—that's a where there's smoke, there's fire, and something is happening, and dudes are getting talked about. Uh, Jalen Williams actually last year. Jalen Williams, the the Santa Clara one. He he's a guy like this. Jalen Williams, I think, started in like the twenties last year, and then was popular and rising, rising. And he was a guy like Buffkin. He was a combine standout. He was a guy that was getting a lot of momentum, and that number kept dropping, dropping. And, it, and it, like the unders, I think still all ended up cashing for Jalen. I believe he went 12th because it, it was right. Like everyone, the, the, the smoke was right with him. So Bufkin 12 could be a possibility. Oklahoma City, again, like Jalen Williams, is the team that I've seen rumored a lot with him. He's a combo guard type. I've seen him compared to Derek White. I've seen him compared to Emmanuel Quickly. Those are very different players, but a sort of guy, probably more like a third guard, but a guy that can just kind of do a little bit of everything. And uh, yeah, I, I, he's a name that I absolutely expect to go in the lottery at this point, which is hard for me, the scouting version, because Kobe Bufkin was a late bloomer even during the scouting season. He's a guy that you would watch Michigan for for Jed Howard, Jawan Howard's kid, and you'd watch for other guys, and then Bufkin came on late in the season. So that's part of we're getting that. You mentioned Kulabali. the guy. He's he's the wing player on Weminyama's team. Sometimes in the draft process, when you get the last word in, you sometimes end up rising the highest. Kulabali just played games last week. He gets to make real game impressions where all these other guys have been sitting on their hands for a few months. Kobe Bufkin has that late momentum push. So I think that's interesting. I'll, I'll say this too. Over-under on... the there the kobe buffkin there's also a kobe brown from missouri that has a chance to go in the first round will almost certainly get drafted over under i'm turning 40 in a week and i am feeling my age on multiple kobe's getting drafted in the first round of an nba draft take the over on that i feel old how did we get here with kobe's already (laughs) um taylor
0: Hendricks over is eight and a half minus 102 at at FanDuel. Mm. i just want to say that that feels a little heavy like The under is minus one thirty for him to go under eight. I don't know. There's a lot of guys. There's there's you got both Thompson twins, Scoot, Victor, Miller. Yeah, that's five. I I mean, a lot of this is the Jarius Walker thing. Is I I heard Jarius Walker early. I've been on Jarius Walker. If I'm wrong on him, if he slid down for whatever reason, and Jarius may be one of those guys that like everyone really liked, but then they they got they looked at the potential of the other dudes, and they're getting suckered in by. Yeah. Not soccer Dan. That's not, that's not, no, actually. I know what you mean. They're getting convinced by the
1: Jairus is not a star. You're not drafting Jarris to be the star of your team. Right. I predictably love, love Jairus Walker, Walker because yeah. to me, I think he could be like a modern Robert Ori. He's the guy you put at the floor next to Chet, next to Wemben next to Carl Anthony towns. He's the guy that like, okay, we've got our small like skinnier center, and we need a bulky guy to defend. We need we've got a more offensive-minded center, Sabonis. We need somebody to defend next to him. Jairus Walker is the glue guy that does all the other stuff for your team. So the right team, I love the fit, but yeah, he he's not the guy you're gonna draft, you're taking the huge swing for. But yeah, I think he gets interesting. If, if you're gonna be betting multiple bets at these top tens and over-unders, you gotta sit down and like make your list, like Matt was just doing list off your guys because at some point not everyone can go on the top 10 right like don't don't bet yourself in a corner where you've got 12 dudes to go on the top 10 because sorry it's not going to work out for you so be careful and remember again for me uncertainty somebody's going to end up slipping in there or trading up or something that we were pretty confident didn't happen and then now the domino effect there's you, you can't bet the domino effect in real time with a draft or we're just riding coattails by then. So you almost have to anticipate something going wrong and what kind of things can happen from there. That's why I like the long shots and the uncertainty stuff. But it, it's going to be an interesting night. The more we get locked into the top 10, you you gave the list in your article. You said, here's the 10 guys. And without even seeing the 10 names, my head said, oh, no, it's not. <laughs> like, there's not 10 guys on Saturday before the draft. There's no way we know who the 10 are. So then the question is, okay, who who isn't the ten? Who gets in? Who falls out? What's the reason? You kind of have to tell the story a little bit. So I think
0: I, I think you're right. I think the the reason that I'm wrong is that there's going to be somebody that reaches in the top five, and I think that where I'm probably off is almond. Because here's like what happens is if almond goes higher, then Whitmore goes lower. If Whitmore goes lower, then Jerris goes lower. If Jerris goes lower, then like that's the sequence of how it yep. slips. Like Hendricks, I'm just telling you, like that's, I have, I would be, I am he- always hesitant to use the word. I would be shocked if, if Hendricks does not go to top 10. I would not be shocked if Derek Lively, who I bet to go top 10, does not go to top 10, but you're getting 260 on him. Like there's good numbers. There's good value on him. Yeah. Um. It'll be interesting to see, like maybe somebody slides. You know, maybe one of the almond, maybe Oscar slides, maybe almond slides. Uh, We will find out. We'll talk more about it on Wednesday to go over best bets real quick. Uh, I bet Anthony Black both to go at number eight and go number nine at FanDuel Sportsbook. I bet the law Kublai at over 10 and a half. I bet Grady Dick over 10 and a half minus 250. I still think that's the best bet. I got a better number. I still like that number at two at minus 250. You can wait and they might move it to 11 and a half. And I would still bet the mm-hmm. over at a smaller number. Brandon likes Scoot Henderson to go plus 600 because he thinks Victor will yama sucks just kidding uh he likes osser thompson that, that's for, for that's for rookie of the year for skip for rookie of the year he likes osser sorry not not to go number one rookie of the year very clear distinction <laughs> there uh osser thompson plus 300 to go ahead of almond thompson and he likes brandon miller number four plus 2600 we'll have more bets for you on wednesday alongside vegas refund till then make sure to check out the WNBA episodes Hit us up on twitter my thanks, david pain our producer we'll see you guys again next time until then get draft buckets